0: Well, the FOMC meeting is a day away and even though not much is expected to come out of it, markets are cautious anyway. There's no real movement in bonds or equities or in the U.S. dollar. Weak retail numbers from the U.S. have added to that cautious tone. The only real movement has been in commodities, a fall in copper and a rise in oil. We'll examine why that might be and look ahead to today's numbers, including uh, China's retail sales, industrial production and fixed asset investment. All of that ahead of the FOMC meeting tomorrow morning. It's Wednesday. It's the 16th of June 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has been down then up, but not by much, just wondering where to go basically, isn't it? The pound and the Aussie have a a clear direction, and that's down today, as much as 0.4% down for the Aussie to 76.87 US cents. The Canadian dollar also down about 0.4%, the pound a quarter percent down, Uh, and whilst most commodities are a little softer, oil is up, Brent is 1.8% up this morning, over $74 a barrel, equities are down across the board in the United States, almost 0.7% down for the NASDAQ, but in Europe. They're up uh, 0.3% for the Eurostox 50, 0.4% for the FTSE 100 and the DAX. Bonds uh, largely unmoved, just one extra basis point added to the yields for 10-year Treasuries. So let's look at what's happening with Tapa Strickland, Direct Economics for Markets, at NAB in Sydney. Not much by the sounds of all of that. Look, I can see why the US dollar... And equities might have lost a bit of ground, uh, Tapas, because we had those retail sales numbers, which were down quite a bit in May in the United States, weren't they? Much Selling much more than forecast. And then on top of that, you've got the New York Empire State Manufacturing Index, which weakened a fair bit too. And then on top of that, producer prices a bit higher than expected. And, uh, you know, and, and that's before we look at the rising oil prices. So none of those are particularly good news, are they?
1: Good morning, Phil. Yeah, it was a pretty subdued night overnight in most markets apart from commodities. And when you look at FX, um, equities, and uh, bonds, you have to say there's been little movement, really. Uh, But that weaker than expected retail sales print did add a little bit of a negative tone there. And um, total sales in the US fell 1.3% in May, and that was below the uh, negative 0.8% consensus. Uh, But when you look under the the, the hood, the details are a little bit more more positive for two reasons. So one, there were some pretty sizable upward revisions to the April... Data. And the second one is you're starting to see this rotation from the goods side of the economy and towards the services side of the economy that we've been talking about for quite some time. And spending on one particular service, uh, spending on restaurants and bars, rose by 1.8%. And uh, that sent uh, food service sales beyond pre pandemic levels. So that pivot from goods to services appears to be playing out in the US. And then the key question then is um, for the manufacturing sector, have we really reached that peak growth and moved beyond that recovery phase where further gains are a little bit more difficult to come by? And in industrial production in in the US, while um, pretty much being broadly as expected, um, up 0.8% in May, as you mentioned, the Empire State Fed survey was a little bit weaker than expected. Um, so that fell to 17.4 from 24.3. And so that does play to that view that maybe we maybe we have reached that peak growth in the manufacturing sector. And just worth noting, the level of manufacturing production in the U.S. is now back to pre-COVID levels. So but I mean, again, I
0: would, if we reach the peak because there's not the demand, or is it just that, you know, that all of these
1: supply constraints that we've got? I mean, that could be part of it, couldn't it? It looks like it's a combination of factors, but there's a number of... Uh, anecdotes within the US papers saying um, a number of furniture stall retailers have seen a, a sharp slowing in growth um, see, uh, after seeing uh, basically sales having doubled for a number of months um, just just prior to the most recent one. So it does suggest there's some normalization of activity happening within that goods space. And I think that's something to watch out for as we do start to pivot from the goods side uh, and more towards the services side. And one um, kind of Commodity price that maybe is suggestive of some of that rotation happening is the price of lumber. So I think the price of lumber over the past week has fallen by some 40% in, in, wow.
0: in the US. Yeah, well, because we I was going to say that about furniture prices. Is it anything to do with the price of wood? But also, you know, people have been sitting uh, on their rear end for a year and a half. They might be keen to get out. So the last thing you want to do is probably buy a sofa. Uh, but w- what about PPI then? Because they, we're seeing uh, numbers rising, prices rising. So, I mean, yeah, more evidence that, uh, you know, in the supply chain we're, we're, we're having to cope with extra costs.
1: Yes, so the, the the PPI did not do anything to dissuade the view that you are seeing a lift in, in inflation, particularly in uh, producer price inflation. And when you look at the year on year headline rate there at 6.6%, uh, that's the highest in the history of that survey that dates back to 20, 2010. So it does suggest uh, producer prices are, are rising. And at least from the CPI so far, it seems like manufacturers are able to pass on some of those costs to the end and, and consumer. And I guess the real thing um, and the thing that is being heavily debate at the moment is whether that will prove to be a transitory phenomenon. And particularly if consumers are pivoting from goods and more towards services, do those supply chain bottlenecks and just the concentration of demand relative to sticky supply uh, starts ease as we head in towards the second half of the year.
0: So what about oil then? Because, I mean, Ray gave a fairly good explanation of why in in the midterm we might see oil continue to rise and there's all this talk about whether we're going to reach $100 a barrel for oil uh, but, you know, it's, we've had a couple of days now of, of reasonable growth when other commodities are a lot weaker. For example, copper fell 4% overnight. So uh, so two questions, really, what's happening with oil, but also what's happening with copper and all the other commodities?
1: So with uh, the o- oil price, um, so looking at the screens at the moment, the Brent oil price is up 1.8% and still continuing that thematic that uh, Ray was talking about. Um, there's a lot of uh, talk about um, oil possibly being able to reach $100 a barrel just due to that strong rebound in demand and that constrained supply outlook. But you contrast that to what's happening in the base metal space and you're seeing uh, copper prices falling quite sharply and I think they fell about 4% over um, overnight and uh, importantly, uh, below their fifty-day moving average, and I think they're now at a seven-week low. So, but a hundred-dollar um, so oil—I mean, that
0: that that would slow the recovery, wouldn't? I mean, because that is also obviously going to add to inflation and and concerns that maybe inflation is going to be more long-lasting. Uh,
1: it, it could have a. Potential impact, and I guess it will be all dependent on whether inflation expectations uh, move higher. If you do get that uh, sustained increase in in in, uh, in prices, um, from what we've seen from inflation exp- expectations so far, they haven't moved higher, and uh, are still below. You'd have to say the levels that are consistent with inflation being a target, so for now it's not necessarily a, a concern, but if oil were to go toward that $100 mark and be sustained at that level, then uh, you'd have to see some kind of impact in terms of inflation and also maybe constraining some of the rebound in demand as well.
0: Right, and in terms of keeping uh, the price of other commodities down, I mean, China's got a bit to do with this as well, haven't they? I mean, they're, 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 they're talking about uh, releasing some of their stockpiles for copper, so that might be uh, pushing demand down.
1: Uh, yes, yes, indeed, so that, that that's one factor, but there's also some concern with within the commodity space about a possible tightening in, in policy, just given that pretty hefty PPI print coming out of the US. And also some notion that Chinese demand is starting to, to, to pull back, just given you're starting to see copper inventories rise, uh, particularly in Asia.
0: And the RBA yesterday, the minutes were released for the last meeting, we saw the Aussie lose a bit of ground, even though the minutes, I mean they were perhaps a bit more dovish than anyone expected there wasn't anything particularly new, and we're all really hanging out, aren't we, for Philip Lowe's speech tomorrow, because he's got to say something in it, because it's called for recovery to expansion, he can't give it a title like that if he's not going to say something about how they're going to manage that. Oh,
1: indeed, and if you actually look at the minutes, um, that phraseology was actually used in the minutes, it's, Itself and the minutes themselves were, you'd have to say, pretty dovish, especially just given um, some notion um, that the RBA could have been following the RBNZ and Becker Canada in flagging high rates in 2022. Uh, instead, the minutes definitely firmly pushed back on that notion. And uh, the RBA says it still doesn't see inflation within the 2 to 3% band on a sustainable basis until 2024 at the um, earliest. And it has also downplayed recent wage anecdotes uh, and noting that a further increase in the part rate is possible and that firms that have been facing labour sh- shortages are actually citing a preference for non-wage measures to attract and retain staff. And are also choosing to ration output because of labour shortages. And just anecdotally, um, my kind of discussions with a number of firms right across the country suggest a number of them are actually opting to ration output. Um, For example, um, hospitality choosing to close on Mondays and Tuesdays just because they can't get enough low-wage labour.
0: Yeah, well, I wonder, in fact, whether we're seeing the same thing happening in the UK because the UK unemployment numbers were out for March uh, and the, uh, the interesting thing was the average earnings up 5.6% for April. Now, obviously, it compares with uh, what was it in a very good April last year, it's fair to say. Uh, but, I mean, that's still quite a high figure.
1: Uh, indeed. You'd have to say there's a little bit of a base effect there, of course, because we obviously had the height of the pandemic back then. But uh, unquestionably, at 5.6%, it's still well above what the consensus was at 5.3%. And there has been that uptick in average hourly earnings, both in the UK and also in the US as well. Um, and I guess the real um, test of how average hourly earnings goes is really when that furlough scheme starts to 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 be tapered. So I think there's about 3.4 million UK workers on, on, on that scheme and I think they're um, cutting that furlough assistance from 80% to 70% on, on July 1 and then reducing it further to zero by September. Well, so um, As there, people
0: come off that furlough of course they might see their salary increase so that might add to the, those that supposed inflation figure as well a little bit. But look I, perhaps more importantly then is, is core CPI uh, we get that for the UK later on today and also for Canada as well. I don't, I don't know how useful they are though really uh, because you know given that there's so many considerations in these numbers uh, is anyone really paying too much attention to them just yet
1: you'd have to say um, they're probably they're probably being ignored to some extent by the market um, because policymakers are so firm in their view that the pickup in inflation that we're being uh, seen in a number of countries is going to be Tre trend uh, and it will really take a number of CPI prints uh, that are above expectations and importantly have some of the core components um above their inflation targets for them to to change their view that uh, the inflation outlook or the pickup in inflation is likely to be Temporary. So, I don't necessarily think the market will be uh, too focused on the UK CPI. On the Canadian CPI, just because the Beckham Canada has flagged the possibility of hiking rates in 2022, I think the market might be a little bit more sensitive to, to CPI prints in, in Canada. Uh, to reinforce that decision,
0: perhaps. Now, we'll look, the FOMC decision is on early tomorrow morning, just before our next podcast. So, uh, I mean, the market is hanging out for this. So, are, are they going to be disappointed? I mean, the, the expectation is they're not going to say much, but everyone's hanging around, kicking the tires, waiting for. For them to not say much.
1: That's that's pretty much it, and uh, I don't think anyone is expecting too much out of the meeting. But um, all eyes, I think, are going to be focused on the the dot plot, uh, the inflation forecasts, and as well as any comments by Fed Chair on whether he's thinking about thinking about tapering. Um, As for the Fed dots, um, the expectations are that the Fed probably pencils in at least one rate hike in 2023. And when you look at the March FOMC meeting, there's a pretty low bar uh, for the Fed to shift towards a hike in 2023. Uh, And just given um, the discussion we're having earlier about whether the pickup inflation is going to be transitory or not, I think it's going to be focused on whether the Fed's uh, inflation dot also reflects that transitory Nature as it currently does. Um, When you look at the March FOMC, the core PC dot is at 2.2% for 2021 and then falls back to um, 2% in 2022. Um, And then as for tapering, um, I don't think there'll be any talk of that within the post meeting statement, but the press conference, um, Chair Powell will be asked quite um, persistently about. Uh, tapering whether any discussion happened at the july meeting uh oh sorry at the june meeting and i think um there will have been some discussion but i think more formal discussions will will be needed um and really, when you look mm. at payrolls, they're still 7.3 million below pre-pandemic levels. So yep. it's hard to see how you've made uh, sustained progress towards your full employment
0: goal. No, absolutely. Well, we also get lots of numbers from China today: retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment, as well. Uh, New Zealand's balance of payments and uh, current account. Their GDP numbers tomorrow as well, of course. Uh, so a, a few numbers around today.
1: Uh, yes, and we'll be looking quite closely at the Chinese retail sales, industrial production, and fixed asset investment. There's some notion that uh, growth may be starting to slow in China as the Chinese authorities uh, pull back on the amount of stimulus occurring in the economy there. So we'll be looking quite closely at both retail sales and in industrial production. And
0: uh, look, a UK-Australia trade deal looks like it's going to happen, but uh, I'm not sure it's going to have any material effect on anyone in the uh, in the short to midterm, is it? But maybe you can get uh, Tim Tams in the UK. We're doing them a favour, if, if if that's the one thing that comes out of it. Uh,
1: definitely. And uh, the Tim Tams are far superior than the Penguins over there, that's for sure. Uh, much better.
0: There's just no comparison, is there? I'm glad you say that. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, Tapas. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks. So long well. as it's the original Tim Tam. I don't go with all these brand extensions. Just the original Tim Tam is what counts. That's it for today. I'm Phil Darby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.